Good morning, church. It's great. Thank you for all your prayers. I've, uh, I've come back safely from Japan. Uh, I'm glad to inform you that um, we have a, a businessman friend from Singapore who has already put in a bid for a potential building uh, that he's going to buy and then allow all the teams that are going to Japan to use uh, in the days ahead as we begin our church planting effort. And we have put in a bid already for a three-story building, actually. Uh, you'll be amazed, a three-story building in Japan that can be used for housing, can be used for shop lots, as well as for, uh, for office. It costs only about half a million dollars uh, US. And that's what we put in uh, as a bid. And the Lord willing, if that building can be released to us, then all of our teams will be able to find a place uh, where it can be used to plant a church in Fukuoka. And we are very, very happy to, to see what God is doing uh, through this whole project. So would you pray together along with us? We should get an answer sometime this week uh, if the building can be uh, released uh, to, to us. So please pray for us, and we trust that by the time the team goes in in April, we have a team of about 20 people that are going in uh, to, to start ministering in Fukuoka in, in April. So that will be the team that will pioneer and start to do street evangelism. We start to see people coming uh, to the Lord. So are you excited? Uh, pray for us, okay, that this will really, you will end up planting a good uh, IDMC church in Fukuoka. I've also uh, passed by on my way back uh, to Singapore, through Singapore. And as you know, Singapore, many of you come from Singapore, and many of you have friends uh, in Singapore. Singapore is going through a rather challenging time uh, because of the coronavirus. But uh, one, the, the advice has been given, and I think it's very good advice to, to, to them as, by the government, and as well, I think it would apply to all of us here as well, and then globally would be this, that we... During this time, we should be careful, but not worried. There's a world of difference between being careful and being worried. Being worried means that you really are in a state of fear. But when you are careful, it simply means that we are on alert. We are aware of what's going on, and therefore we do the right things. Okay? And so I just come back, and if I'm not going to give you a hug, you understand. I'm just wanting to do the right thing by you. Okay? And if, if I never shake your hands, please do not be offended. Uh, do not think that I'm angry with you or you're not happy with me. But it's simply because uh, we do the right things. That's all. Okay? So be careful, but not worried. Uh, one of the biggest cluster right now uh, in, in Singapore is a church that I regularly go to, Grace Assembly. That's where Pastor Singap used to work as well. We have many, many good friends that are there. And the senior pastor himself uh, is infected and, and in, in, in hospital. But, you know, I had an a email, a, a note from one of their elders to tell me that what, like what we sang this morning, what the devil meant for harm, God turned it around for his own purposes. Uh, because the elder was telling me that because of what happened, the church is coming alive. Uh, because you know how hard it is to get people to pray? <laughs> All of a sudden, everywhere across the church, from the young to the old, people are spontaneously forming prayer groups everywhere. <laughs> Uh, what they couldn't achieve in the past through years and years of preaching, God did it in an instant. Uh, now there are groups forming all over. People are just wanting to pray from the ground up. 
Okay, and, and then they started having cell groups. Uh, their, their connect group meetings are now done online. Everybody dial in. They thought that their attendance were, were, were plummet, but instead it went upwards. People who have left connect groups come back, you know, and now they're all meeting online, and the church is just coming alive. And the pastor actually said, you know, God is, they are going to come out, they're going to emerge from that place stronger than before. And, and people question sometimes, you know, why didn't God protect His people? Why is the church going through this? I tell you, God did not promise us just a trouble-free life. The sun rises on both the, the wicked and the righteous. But one thing we know, whatever happens to us, we know God is in control. And this is what anchors us and holds them down. And whatever the devil meant for harm, God turned it around for his own redemptive purposes. So we're trusting God uh, for that, uh, for every one of us. Amen. So give God all the glory and all the praise. And would you just continue to pray, uh, pray for Singapore. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shall we bow? We have a word of prayer. And then I'll take you to my final session on worship. Thank you, Lord. Father, we take a moment this morning just to lift up to you corporately the city of Singapore. Lord, we know that this is a city with a destiny and we continue to pray that you will, through this difficult time, strengthen the leadership of the city, strengthen the leadership of your church so that as a city, they can be a witness for you. And Lord Jesus, I pray that whatever they're going through, you will turn it around for your own redemptive purposes. And may your protection be over your people, be over the city during this time. We bless them in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray this morning as we continue to really gear our hearts to worship you as a people. May you continue to speak to us and help us to see this morning how the harvest and worship, how worship and witness come together. So we commit this time to you now, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Several years ago, I was leading a short-term missions team uh, in the city of Chiang Mai, which is in Thailand. Uh, We went there to help an indigenous uh, missions group to pioneer a church way up on the mountain, uh, a a people group called the Hmong people. Uh, The Hmong people live high up in the mountains and and we were were there to help an indigenous missions group to to, to build a church there. There were 29 of us on the team, I remember, and we actually had to hike for six hours through the mountains to get to that village. At the end of six hours of walking and all that, we finally got to the village. And then we discovered that it was a village that was trapped in animism, spiritism, drugs, and sexual immorality high up in the mountain. In fact, the culture was so degraded that it was common for young men in the village, they, all they need to do is to stick their hand into any window. They stick their hand in, and if any girl grabs their hand, the next thing you know, they are in the bush having sex. See, and that's how they just have fun. They just put their hand into any window, somebody grabs their hand, they are off. And if some guy likes the girl so much, they don't have to do anything to get, to get the girl, to get married. They just have to kidnap the girl. That's how they do it. You know, and it's almost like a very, very strange kind of culture. And we were there and we were wondering, what do we do? It was such hard ground and we don't know where to start. So we were praying, we were waiting upon the Lord as to what to do. And as we were waiting and praying, the Lord directed us prophetically to a, 
to a scripture in Psalm 67. And I'd like you to now turn with me to, the, to Psalm 67 that became a breakthrough uh, for us. And let me read for you this psalm to show you the connection between worship and witness, between worship and the harvest. So if I can read for you now Psalm 67, a beautiful psalm that goes like this. Psalm 67, verse 1. May God be gracious to us, the psalmist said, and bless us and make His face shine upon us. For what? It's so that your ways may be known on earth and your salvation amongst all nations. And may the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. Notice it's all plural. Okay? May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples with, with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God, and may all the peoples praise you. The land use its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear Him. Interestingly, just as an aside, according to the Old Testament scholar Walter Kaiser Jr., Psalm 67 is traditionally sung by the people of God as, a, as part of the worship during the Feast of Pentecost. So it's during the Feast of Pentecost, they will sing Psalm 67. And this is significant because this, the day of Pentecost was also the day when the Holy Spirit actually came to launch the missionary movement of the church. Isn't that right? It was after the day of Pentecost, the missionary movement was started. So in response to Psalm 67, when we were guided to this psalm, we then took a guitar. We decided that to say, okay, we are going to praise the Lord in this place. We're going to bring worship into this village. So we decided that we only had one guitar. So we took the guitar and all 29 of us decided we're going to worship through the whole village. So we went up to the highest point in the city, which is on a hill, went up from the top of the village, and then we started to sing and started to worship. And then the worship leader takes the guitar, he sings, he goes to the front, everybody follow. And next thing you know, we were, we were just walking through the village from the top to the bottom, just raising a hallelujah to the Lord, raising worship to the Lord. And the next thing that happened was phenomenal. Because little did we know that when we started doing this, all of a sudden, children... Young people started coming out from every corner of the village to join us. You know, they, they were curious. So they come and join us. And the next thing you know, as we're walking through the whole village, we got all these young people, kids and all that, following after us. We felt like the pipe piper, you know, of, of the Hmong people. And we were just walking through the entire village and they were just singing, clapping along with us. And then they, we led them all the way to the village square, which is like a open area right in the heart of the, of the village. And we all went there and that was there that we quickly just spontaneously put up a skit. I still remember it was a skit about blind, the healing of blind, um, blind Bartimaeus you know, and that, that story. And, and we just put up a skit and then I stood up and preached the gospel. And then after the preaching the gospel, I told them that the house that we are staying in in the village will now become a house of prayer. Any one of you who need prayer, you can come to that house and we'll be happily pray for you. And the next thing you know, over the next three days that we stayed in the village, people coming from all over the village, going there to ask for healing, they come to ask if they could get to know this God that we are worshipping. And as a result of that one trip, a church was planted 
in the village, six hours in the mountain. And later on, actually one of our team members who is from Malaysia actually took his wife and they were retirees and they went to live in that village for two years as full-time missionaries to plant that church. And up to today, if you can find that village, it, the church is still there. There's a church up six hours up in the mountain, a church that was birthed out of worship. Worship and witness coming together. And as a result, something powerful was birthed. And I learned something from there. In fact, we understand from the local missionaries that are in other Hmong villages that mission teams were literally stoned and chased away from the village once they started preaching. But in our village, a church was born. Psalm 67 was fulfilled spiritually right before our eyes. And when we praise Him, the land begins to yield its harvest. People begin to know who God is. And so the thing I learned is this, you know, do you want to see a harvest in our community? Maybe we should bring worship onto the streets. Do we want to, do you long to see a harvest in our family? Maybe fill our homes with songs. Do we long to see a harvest in the marketplace? Maybe we should dominate the spiritual atmosphere in the marketplace through worship and prayer. So here's what I propose to do this morning. I'm going to take you into Psalm 67 and we look at this psalm carefully. I think this psalm is greatly concerned no, if you read it through, it's, this psalm is greatly concerned about the blessings of God. Three times in seven short verses, God's blessings were mentioned. Okay? Now you notice that the words of the psalmist, actually he begins the psalm by actually borrowing the words from the Aaronic blessing, which is found in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26. It was the, the high priestly blessing that Aaron would bless the people with. Okay, and you'll find it recorded in Numbers 6. And the psalmist borrowed those words uh, in verse 24 to 26. Listen to this. The Lord bless you and keep you. If you come from a traditional church, this is the benediction given at the end of the service. Right? The Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord, which means Jehovah, make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turned His face towards you and give you peace. And that is in line with what the psalmist said in Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Make His face shine upon us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation amongst all nations. Okay, the only difference, listen carefully, between Numbers chapter 6 and, and Psalm 67 is this. The only difference is that in Numbers chapter 6, the word used for God is Jehovah the Lord, Jehovah, which is the covenantal name of God and the people of Israel. That means it's the, the God, it's a name that God used to relate to His people, the people of Israel. Okay, Jehovah. Whereas in, in Psalm 67, the psalmist used the word Elohim instead. He changed the word Jehovah to Elohim. The word Elohim is the name of God in relation to all peoples not just in relation to the people of Israel, Jehovah, but in relation to all people. So it's like the Creator God. 
to include all of us, which means this, the focus, the emphasis of Psalm 67 is not so much on the nation of Israel, but on the nations of the earth. Are you with me? That is very important, which means that the focus is not just on Israel, the focus is on all of us. This passage, Psalm 67, relates to every single one of us. Now, I understand that some of us will have a problem with the bless me, bless me culture of the modern church. Uh, and in a sense, the bless me culture in the modern church can give rise to a me first, health, wealth, and self kind of gospel. And, and we don't like that. We understand that. However, there is also strong biblical basis. Listen carefully, brothers and sisters. There are strong biblical basis for seeking God's blessing. How many of you want God's blessing in your life? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, there are strong biblical basis for God's people to ask God for His blessing. Okay, there are strong biblical basis for seeking God's blessing when we understand, however, that the motive for being blessed is other-centered not so much self-centered. Okay, once we understand that the reason why we ask God to bless us is not centered on ourselves, then I think it becomes legitimate to actually ask God to bless us. And so what I'd like to do now is to bring out for you three key reasons why we should all shamelessly and boldly ask God to bless us. Okay, and I'll give you three good reasons, other-centered reasons uh, in Psalm 67. The first is this. Why do we ask God to bless us? Why do we worship Him and then ask Him to bless us? Why? It's so that, number one, that His ways may be known. That His ways may be known. Look at verse 1 and 2. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Make His face shine upon us. For what? is so that your ways may be known on earth and your salvation amongst all nations. Now, we need to understand that the Israelites, through the history of, their, 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 of, of them as a chosen people, have always made big claims for themselves. Right? They make big claims for themselves, including how great their God is and how special a people they are. So the pagan nations all around them are constantly looking to them to see how much substance there is in all of their claims. That is, uh, is your claim legitimate? You can say that I'm a special people, I'm a blessed people, but is it legitimate? So the, all the nations are constantly looking to see, and that's why they pray this. The people of God pray, God be gracious to us and bless us. Make your face shine upon us. Why? Because if God would only smile upon them, it will prove to the people that He is truly with them. And then the nations will be convinced that they, they will have tangible, visual proof of God's existence and power with, the, with His own people. See, one of the most basic needs in an agricultural society like Israel is, of course, the harvest of the land. When there is harvest in the land, then the nation will know that God is with them. So they boldly ask God, bless me, bless me, make your face shine upon me so that your ways may be known and your salvation to all peoples. Are you with me? So it's very other-centered. In the same way, when the tangible presence of God comes down 
and then we begin to see signs, wonders, miracles begin to happen in our midst, then the people who do not know God will know that there is a God who is alive in this place. And there's nothing wrong with all of us crying out to God and say, God, would you come and intervene in our situation? Would you come and bless us? Would you come and heal us? Would you come and bring breakthroughs for us? Why? It's so that the people will know that God is with us. And then their salvation becomes known to the nations. See, in this, and, 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 and we are not chasing after signs and wonders for ourselves, but it's so that the world may know the ways of God and the salvation of God. And that is why, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters in FCC, we need to raise our faith level and we expect miracles to happen right here in this place so that people will know that God is here. It's not not so that we can just be blessed, but so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation amongst all nations. That is why in the Old Testament, you have a man like Jabez, right? And we all know the Jabez prayer. He, He prayed boldly, bless me and bless me indeed. He dared to ask God, bless me, bless me, bless me. It's not so much that we can enjoy ourselves, but so that the world may see in us His blessing, His beauty, and then be drawn to Him through us. Hallelujah. You know, when I first wanted to come into the ministry, when I wanted to become a pastor, oh, my family was dead against it. My parents were jumping up and down. They said, no way you're going to become a pastor. Why? It's because in their mind, in their belief system, they, said they, they believe that the moment I become a pastor, a church worker, I will be poor for life. So they said, no way, you cannot be a pastor. But I tell you what, brothers and sisters, our God is a good God. He is a good paymaster. And over the years, he proved himself again and again that he will provide. And my parents have eyes to see. They begin to see. Now, I understand, first few years was hard. But then first, I have seven very lean years. But after that, I have seven fat years, you know. And the Lord began to bless, begin to open doors. My parents could see that I'm not lacking in anything. And today, that's why they, today, they will testify also that God is good. You know, may, your, be, may God, may you be gracious to us, bless us, make your face shine upon us so that your ways may be known, so that your salvation will be known amongst all nations. Why do we ask God to bless us? It's so that His ways may be known. Here's number two. So that We ask God to bless us. We come and we worship the Lord and we lift Him up. We sing all about Him. For what? It's so that God may be praised. When we are blessed, then God will be praised. You look at verse 3 to verse 5 now. Take a look at this. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. May you rule the peoples with equity. Guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. See, when God's blessing begins to flow, then guess what? People will begin to praise Him. And you notice the emphasis here is on is plural. It's, all, it's the peoples of the world. It's the nations, you see. Praise and worship, we all know. Uh, build a throne for God to sit on. 
And that word peoples there, may all the peoples praise you, can also be translated as nations. May all the nations praise you. Because your salvation is now known through all the earth. People will praise the Lord. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 will then come to pass. Do you know what will happen at the end? This is what will happen in Revelation 5, 9. It says, and they sang a new song. That's worship, right? The nations are singing a new song to God. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open His seal because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe, language, people, and nations. Hallelujah. See, in the end, every people, tribe, nations will be represented before the throne of God. Doing what? Praising Him. Lifting worship, singing a new song to this God. That's the ultimate end. It's not just, we don't just want to see people saved, but that they will become worshippers. And one, the day will come when all nations, every people, tribe, and, 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 and tongues, they will be represented before the throne of God, lifting praise to Him, becoming worshippers. So John Piper is right. Missions exist only because worship doesn't. Because worship doesn't exist in some people group somewhere in this world. We need to go there on missions for them so that the Japanese will be represented before the throne of God, so that the, the, the Ethiopians will be represented before the throne of God. Everyone will be represented before God's throne. So the more we praise God, the more the land will use harvest. And the more the land uses harvest, the more glorious the praise becomes. It becomes a glorious cycle that feeds on each other. So I like what Romans 15, 16 says. Listen to this, brothers and sisters. To be a minister, this is Paul saying, he says, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. It tells us, it informs us that one of the greatest gifts of worship that we can offer to God is the harvest of the nations. When we can bring nations before the Lord and offer it to Him, it is the greatest, one of the greatest worship we can bring to God. Okay, read what it says again. The Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And the vision that the psalmist paints for us, uh, another one, Psalms 22, verse 27 and 28, must be the vision that will drive us beyond the four walls of this church and into our community, into our nation. Listen to what Psalms 22, 27 says, All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before Him, for dominion belongs to the Lord and He rules over the nations. Hallelujah. When God begins to bless us, make His face shine upon us, His ways will be known, His salvation to all the nations. And then what? All the nations will then come and worship Him. All praise, all the peoples will begin to praise Him. Hallelujah. This is what drives me. As we think about you know, what, what are we all about? This is what really drives me. I see this vision, you know, of the finished task. I see this vision of people gathered before the throne of God in the last days, 
giving Him praise and worship that He deserves. Every tongue, people, nation, tribe represented before the throne of God. This is what drives me to go to the nations. This is what drives me to say, it's time we go and reach the lost. It's so that this vision of the finished task will drive us. It's not just the needs of the world that drives us. It is this vision of seeing what God really wants fulfilled in His heart. Every people, tongue, nation and tribe worshipping Him before His throne in the last days. Hallelujah. When we went to the Turkey trip, that was what was really driving. Uh, I, I, I think about the Apostle John and the vision that he saw in Revelation, which is what we read this morning. He saw this vision and that was what drove him. And I think we need that. Brothers and sisters of the 21st century church, I want you to know that the early disciples gave their lives to the task of world evangelism. They gave their life even for this cause. And the church of Jesus Christ must continue to be driven by this awesome vision of the finished task. Every people, tribe, nation represented before the throne, worshipping the King. That should drive us, the vision of the finished task. So in all that we do, building better buildings, designing better programs, buying better equipment, writing you know, better materials, by, um, singing better songs, you know, developing better training materials, all of these things that we do in church, they must all contribute towards the fulfillment of this task, to see every nation represented before the throne of God. This is the reason for our existence are you with me, church? I hope you capture this. I told you this once, right? Imagine if you can, uh, I have a plumbing problem in my house, right? So what do I do? I call a plumber in to solve my plumbing problem. So because I need to go to work, so what I'll do is I give my plumber my key and I said, okay, after you finish the plumbing, you just lock the door and then you put the key under the mat and then I'll pay you when I get back. And he said, okay, I'll do that. Then I drive off to work, but in the evening, I come back. And then to my surprise, as I was driving into my driveway, I noticed that my plumber is mowing my lawn. Wow, I got really excited. Wow, this guy is amazing, huh? value-added service. And then as I was driving into my garage, I noticed, hey, my garage door got a brand new coat of paint. I was even more excited. So I got out and I said, hey, thank you so much for doing all this. You need not have done it. And he said, no, nah, no, nah, it's okay. You know, after all, I, it's obvious that your lawn really needs some mowing. And your garage door is such a bad state. I just give you a fresh coat of paint, no problem. I said, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So how's the plumbing situation? And he said, oh, I've been so busy mowing and painting. I haven't got around to the plumbing. <laughs> now, if you were me, will you be happy? Will you be happy? Of course not. What is the main purpose of bringing him in? It's to solve my plumbing problem. That is the main point. And then we miss the main point. You do all the mowing and the, and the painting, but you miss the main point. Can you imagine? We all laugh. But can you imagine when Jesus comes back again? Then he discovered that, wow, we got better seats now with cushion. You know, we got more professional-looking PowerPoints. You know, we got better music now. We got better sound system, amazing. But we haven't got down to the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Do you think the Lord will be happy? Of course not. We missed the main point. Are you with me? 
And I think we just have to come back to the main point. Make the main thing the main thing. See, it's so that your ways may be known. I know that there are times and seasons in the life of any congregation, but I believe in the long run, world missions must be the agenda of any local church. It's so that your ways may be known. It is so that God may be praised by every people, tongues, nation, and tribe. Why do we want God to bless us? Here's the third thing. It's so that the harvest may be birthed. So that the harvest may be birthed. You look at verse 6 and 7. It says, Then the land will use harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us. And all the ends of the earth, again, the missionary motif, and the ends of the earth will fear Him. I tell you, when praise and worship ascends to God, you know, the whole thing is a process. We ask, God, would you bless us? So for what? It's so that your ways may be known, your salvation can be made clear to the nations. And then when the nations get saved, what do they do? They become worshippers. They bring to God even greater worship. And as more and more worship ascends to the throne of God, the land uses harvest. And more and more people are going to come. And it's a powerful cycle. See? And when that happens, breakthroughs are going to happen. The nations may be birthed. Okay? And the ends of the earth will fear Him. See, Isaiah 11 verse 9 says this, For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In the end times, we're going to see this happen. The, the, the knowledge of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And the final goal is outlined for us in Revelation 11:15. The kingdoms of the world has become the kingdom of our God and of His Christ, and He will reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. You want to know what the end is like? That's what it's going to be. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God and His Christ. And He shall reign forever and ever. Remember what uh, Jesus said in John 3, 14? Jesus said this, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up and everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. You know, this is what's happening in Psalm 67. God, bless us. Bless us. May your face shine upon us. For what? So that your ways may be known, your salvation may be known to the, to the nations. As all, more and more nations come to know the Lord, they bring Him praise and worship. They begin to praise Him. And as praise ascend, the, the land uses harvest and it becomes a powerful cycle. And it goes on and on and on. You know, when we lift Jesus up and we enthrone Him, He will draw all men unto Himself. Now, I used to run a cell group, you know, in an industrial area in the a, in a city I came from. Uh, in, in when we, we run that connect group in a very, very small little flat, you know, just a small three-room flat, and we run, the, it's a very dense area of a lot of industrial workers. So as we begin our connect group, we, we always sing. And as we worship the Lord, sometimes people around the area will hear the singing, and they just join in. And there's one particular meeting I never forget. I was very young, just a young connect group leader. And, and as we were and about to start the meeting, there was 
one of our members happened to find this Indian man that was sitting in a, in a bus stop and he was obviously drunk. And he started a conversation with this man when he got off the bus. And then he asked this man, would you want to come and join our connect group? Come and join our cell group? And this drunk man, I think he was, his half his mind not there. He said, we must have said, yeah, 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 yeah. So they brought him. And he actually brought him to the connect group meeting. And when he came in, everybody knew. He was obviously under the, the influence of, of drinks and drugs and all that. His eyes looked a little bit glazed. And then he just sat there. And then we knew we needed to share the gospel with him. But at the same time, I just felt prompted of the Lord. Don't straight away preach to him. But let's just carry on. Let's just worship the Lord. So I picked up the guitar. At that time, I still played the guitar. I picked up the guitar and I started singing. And my members just got the, the drift and they all joined in. And we just started worshipping. And, and as we worship and worship and worship, the presence of the Lord came into that place. And then I noticed this his eyes that was glazed and slowly become clearer. And then the next thing you know, he was tearing, he was crying, you know, in the presence of God. And then we knew that God was working. God was moving in his heart. And the moment we see him tear, we sing even louder. You know, we sing even more. And I was thinking of every song I can think of, whatever song, we were just singing because we know God was moving. And he, has, he started to break down. And at the end of that worship service, I just turned to him and I said, can I share the gospel with you? And then he nodded his head and I shared the gospel with him and there and then he was gloriously born again. It was just worship and then the gospel and he was gloriously born again. And he began to join and become a part of our connect group. And I want you to know, brothers and sisters, when we really worship God and we let His presence come down, His blessings begin to flow in our midst, anything can happen. God can encounter His people. It is my dream, you know, that as all of us come Sunday after Sunday and we live heartfelt worship to the Lord, really giving Him everything that He deserves, worship can give rise to harvest then when we bring our non-Christian non friends into our midst and we lift Jesus higher, He will draw His people unto Himself. Worship can give birth to harvest. Do you know there's something so attractive about the glory of God that it can draw a person to Him? Have you ever felt this way when you, when you come into a worship service that is spirit-filled? And as people are worshipping, and then suddenly you find that you are crying and you don't even understand what you're crying about. Ever experienced that? That's the Lord working in your heart through the worship that's going on and God encountering His people. And that sometimes converts the heart more than just preaching to the head. It touches us. Something very, very powerful. Remember in 1 Kings chapter 10, there was an incident in 1 Kings 10. You mustn't miss this. The queen of Sheba, she wasn't a, 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 a worshiper of God. The queen of Sheba actually came to visit King Solomon. And when she first came, she was skeptical. She was full of unbelief. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1 actually tells us this, that when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relation to the name of the Lord, he came, but for what? To test him with hard questions. So she came skeptical, just wanted to test Solomon. So when she came, what did Solomon do? You read 1 Kings 10. Solomon showed her the splendor of his palace. 
he showed him the rich food that they enjoy at his table. And he, uh, as she tested him, she began to unveil the unusual wisdom of his mind. All these were wonderful. She was very, very impressed. But then she, he came to the climax, which is what? She brought her to the temple of the Lord. And then he offered sacrifices to God in worship. And when that happened, the glory of God came down. And in that moment, the presence and the glory of God came when he offered burnt offerings at the temple of the Lord. And then the scripture tells us she was overwhelmed. She was overwhelmed. You know, he saw all the blessings that God has for Solomon. And then he saw the glory of God that comes because of the sacrifice and the worship. Next thing you know, she was overwhelmed. And she became convinced that God was real. And that's why you read what she says now in verse 7 to verse 9. She concluded at the end, but I did not believe these things until I came and I saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth, you far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your men must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be to the Lord your God. He began to praise God. She was so touched by what she saw in the presence of God. She said, Praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you, placed you on the throne of Israel. And because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, He has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. Look at everything that happened in that encounter between the Queen of Sheba and King Solomon and all that, he, that she saw and that encounter with God in the temple. Look at all that and you will immediately remember all this happened so that His ways may be known, so that God may be praised, so that the harvest may be birthed. Same thing again and again and again. The key to her encounter, I believe, was the presence of God as Solomon worshipped in the temple. Amen. And I think when we become a people of worship, we will see this happen in our midst. People are going to come and they will encounter God. Connect group after connect group. Service after service. Because God is here. Somebody say amen. I believe that with all my heart. And can I end with this? Isaiah 54 verse 1. It's another powerful verse that goes, the prophet said this, what a prophecy. He says, sing. He said to the people of God, sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song. Shout for joy. You who are never in labor, in other words, someone who is barren, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. One of the answers, I believe, to spiritual barrenness is worship. If you're experiencing barrenness, I think worship is the key that unlocks it. Jack Hayford, who is a very respected pastor across the world, wrote a book, and I remember the book was entitled Worship His Majesty. And in his book, he told this very interesting story, and with this, I will, I will end. He told a very delightful story about an eight-year-old girl by the name of Amy who actually came to him one day in church after he finished preaching. This little girl, eight-year-old, came up to the pastor and he said, 
I have a song I want to sing for you. You know, this eight-year-old girl said, and so, and then uh, Jack Hafer said, sure, sing. And then she proceeded to sing him a song that God gave to her. She just sang it. And Hayford was so touched because this incident was so special to him. He wrote about it in his book. It's because nine years before this, nine years before Amy was born, he was also preaching from Isaiah 54, from this very text, when God prompted him to stop his message halfway through. And then he stopped. And then this was the, the thing he said. Even though the message he is preaching has nothing to do with physical childbirth, the Holy Spirit impressed upon him that there was a couple in his congregation that was longing to have a child. And they've been told that they cannot conceive. But God put that word into, into Hayford's heart and then he began to proclaim this. She said, he said, Begin to fill your house with song. And as you do, the life-giving power of that song will establish a new atmosphere and make way for the conception which you have desired. And that little girl, Amy, was a result of that prophecy. And now, at the tender age of eight, she in turn is coming to the pastor to sing him a song of the Lord that the Lord gave to her. And she was so touched. The parents of, of this little girl then told Jack Hayford this, and listen to what he said. He said, Pastor, we went home that day nine years ago and begin to do what the Holy Spirit instructed us. We begin to fill our house with song, and we would walk hand in hand with each room and simply sing praises and worship to the Lord. We just wanted you to know that this child is the fruit of that song. And the Lord did fulfill His word given to us that morning. And my point is not to say that this is the magic formula that can get you whatever. But my point is this. My point is that the breakthrough comes not because you treat this as a magic formula, but the breakthrough comes because worship has that ability to turn our eyes away from our circumstances and turn it towards God, who is the answer. Are you with me? It's not just the act of worship itself that we treat as the answer. No, it is that in the act of worship, our eyes are turned away from our circumstances and our situation and it's turned towards God who alone is the answer to all our situations. Is that right? And worship had that amazing ability to do that, turn our eyes away from ourselves and turn it to God. And the principle is this, brothers and sisters, if you are experiencing a barrenness in any of your situations in your life, Turn your eyes away from the situation. And in worship, we turn it to God. And in Him, we find the answer. If there is barrenness in our home, sing. If there is barrenness in our finances, we sing. You know, if there is barrenness in our relationship with God, with man, we sing. Because when we do that, our eyes are turned away from our circumstance and it's turned to God. And how many of you know it, our answer is not in ourselves. What we do, the answer is found in Him. And in worship, we bring down His presence. And when God's presence is here, anything can happen. Amen. May God turn every one of us into worshippers, true worshippers of Christ. We worship Him in spirit 
and in truth. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Make His face shine upon us. For what? Is so that His ways may be known on earth, His salvation amongst all nations. So that His name may be praised in all nations. And then the land everywhere will begin to yield its harvest. And barrenness will give way to fruitfulness. Amen. Because He is God. Stand with me, please, this morning. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. I believe that in these last days, there's going to be a mighty restoration of praise and worship. And it's going to begin in the house of God. That every one of us here, we will resolve in our heart that we will be true worshippers of Christ, giving Him our utmost and our very best every time we encounter Him. So let's just respond to the Lord this morning. Let's worship Him. Thank you, Lord Jesus.